Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Adam Sampson. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi has become embroiled in a public dispute with the country's central bank and its governor. Critics say the independence of the Reserve Bank of India is at risk, and this could undermine confidence in the management of the economy. Victor Mallet, our Asia news editor, tells Katie Martin the story. What exactly is the government asking the Reserve Bank of India to do? And does it have the power to compel the bank to do its bidding? Well, it's a good question. I mean, they seem to be asking for a lot of things. They've always wanted lower interest rates, like Trump wants the Fed to have lower interest rates. Uh, You know, political leaders always find it convenient to have the economy being boosted, especially when they've got elections coming up, which is what's going to happen in India. There's some state elections coming up in a few weeks, and there's a big general election in April or May next year. So they want an easier interest rate environment. They've always wanted that. But they also want the central bank, the Reserve Bank of India, to ease up on its restrictions on some rather fragile things called non-bank financial companies. These are basically shadow banks that are not licensed banks. And it also wants the RBI to ease up on state banks, which have accrued a lot of very bad loans by lending to rather dodgy companies and conglomerates and so on over the years. And those are under a lot of curbs and restrictions from the central bank. And then lastly, and this in a way is the most controversial thing, they feel that they want to seize some of what they think is excess capital and excess reserves of the central bank for their own purposes. And that is very controversial because it clearly impinges on the autonomy of the central bank and is not very good fiscal practice. It's clearly just a way of getting money that they will spend on making the economy look better than it really is. And in fact, when the deputy governor, Biral Acharya, gave a speech that kind of signaled that this crisis between the central bank and the government was happening, he referred straight away to Argentina in 2010 where the governor of the Central Bank of Argentina eventually resigned over exactly that issue, the attempt by the government to seize some of the assets of the central bank for its own purposes. The mechanisms are available to the government, right, to do this, but they've just not been used before, even in times of some pretty deep crisis. Yeah, it's a little bit complicated. The bank is, I think you could call it sort of semi-independent. Like most central banks, probably it's owned by the state, But it does have a degree of autonomy, which the finance ministry reluctantly confirmed the other day. But there is a provision in the act that set up the Reserve Bank of India that allows the government to order it to do things in the public interest after the government has consulted with the governor. And this is the section of the law that has not been previously used and which the government apparently has been threatening to use. And this is really what triggered the whole crisis. So they are sort of within their legal rights to do something like this, but it would be very negative for investors, I think, whether Indian or foreign, if they were to undermine the autonomy of the central bank in this very blatant way. So they can do it technically, probably, but politically and among the investment community would be a pretty negative signal. And it's all come to a head really quite recently. How has the RBI responded? Well, the RBI, in a sense, I think, brought this to the public domain with this extraordinary speech a week or 10 days ago from Viral Acharya, the deputy governor. And he was thought to be speaking, as it were, on behalf of Urjit Patel, who's the governor, who is supposed to have threatened to resign, although we don't have that from him in person. So they brought it up in this very fiery speech where he said, you know, you will regret it if you undermine the autonomy of the central bank. And then since then, obviously, it's become a big issue in the media and in the public domain. But the only thing that the finance ministry has said publicly so far is 
this rather ambiguous statement a few days after that speech in which they reaffirmed the right of the RBI to autonomy, but they also reaffirmed the right of the government to make its case and make its views known in consultation with the governor. So it was a sort of uh, slightly even-handed statement, but it seems that there's some kind of truce, at least for the time being. And there's a board meeting, I think, on the 19th of November, where it appears that the government wants to, again, make its views known or understood or accepted at that board meeting of the RBI. And that's where it stands at the moment. I mean, there's always the possibility of further movement. But at the moment, it seems that both sides have taken a step back from the brink and are waiting for the other side to act. As you mentioned, this whole episode has unnerved international investors. But what's been the reaction amongst India's business community? Well, that's, that's very interesting. So the, the business community is always on the side of lower interest rates, boosting the economy and so on. And they've come out in support of that. And they've also come out in support of moves to ease what they think is a very severe and possibly dangerous liquidity crisis among especially the shadow banks, some of the non-bank financial companies, which finance housing and building and infrastructure and so on. So they think that the RBI has gone too far in trying to curb bad loans to the extent that it's actually endangering the financial system. And there is an argument for that, you know, that the RBI has been, in a sense, too tight at a dangerous moment. And some business people have spoken out in public about that. On the other hand, I think where the business community would hesitate is if they saw a really blatant move by the government to seize the assets or some of the excess reserves of the central bank for purely political ends. And if they saw a move to really undermine publicly the autonomy of the central bank, I think that wouldn't go down well with the business community. So they want economic boosting measures but they don't want a sort of undermining of what is a very important institution. In a sense, the RBI sort of represents through successive changes of government of different political hues. It does represent sort of financial and economic orthodoxy and has done for many decades. And it's therefore a respected institution. And to undermine that would clearly be bad for business and bad for investors. As you mentioned, this all falls into the context of the upcoming elections. But could this row perhaps ironically damage Modi's re-election prospects? I don't think the row will damage it in the sense that it's a little bit too obscure for most ordinary voters. They're much more concerned about the day-to-day cost of living and those kind of issues. I think if Modi or the Modi government got its way, you could see a sort of short-term boost for the economy, which would improve the BJP's electoral prospects. But in the longer term, it probably wouldn't be terribly good for the economy. And there would always be that damage that is caused by investor loss of confidence. You know, the rupee might fall drastically if the central bank was really damaged or if the governor resigned. And if the rupee went down, that would increase the price of oil and so on. So, you know, it cuts both ways. So what happens next? What's the next instalment of this drama? Well, at the moment, it looks like there's going to be a showdown, although it may be a showdown behind closed doors at the board meeting of the RBI a couple of weeks from now. That seems to be the next set piece event. But of course, there's always the possibility that people will come out and say things in public before then. And part of it will depend on whether there is a further sort of lurch towards crisis by some of these shadow banks. There was a big one called IL and FS that had to be sort of bailed out by the government a while back. So that may be the next step, or we may see everybody looking at things a little bit more calmly. You know, I think these kind of disputes between central banks and governments are not unique to India, although this one does seem to have been uniquely severe. That was Victor Mallet talking to Katie Martin. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. 
In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offers at ft.com offer. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.